Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. On today's podcast, my guest is writer-actor Annie Lindner, back to dive deep into the finale of her series, A Beginner's Guide to Grief. My name is Justin Hamilton, and I'll distract everyone while you dab your eyes on Big Squid. Welcome to today's episode. I'm so grateful that you have joined me and it's another fantastic catch-up with writer-actor Annie Lindner who returns to talk about her award-nominated show which you can find on SBS, A Beginner's Guide to Grief. Now, the first time I had Annie on the show, uh, we spoke obliquely about the show because I wanted you to watch it and I didn't want to give anything away and there was lots of stuff that I really, really wanted to discuss uh, because I also know the backstory of what happened in Annie's real life. But at the same time, uh, I didn't want to... I, I know you're smart. Like, I know that if I say a specific thing, uh, you will pick up on it and then suddenly, you know, you'll kind of work out what's going on. So I didn't want that to happen. So we were very careful about how we talked about the series. But now that a lot of you have seen it and also... Uh, a lot of you have loved it as well. I seem to have a 100% strike rate on the feedback that I've gotten to this wonderful show. Uh, we're really going to dig into it. We're going to dig into the themes and the real-life experiences that influenced Danny's story. Now, if you're in a bit of a fragile place, our conversation goes into some real stuff and talks about deep emotions, and that's probably around the halfway mark. Uh, of course, this is done with empathy and this is done with care, but I'm just letting you know so you can be prepared. And this year has been a bummer for many people, and I do not doubt a lot of you are exhausted from the constant pressure that 2022 has placed on you and all of us. But 
I need to stress, I think this conversation is real. I think it is cathartic. And I also believe you'll take away a lot from this. And also, I have to stress, like life itself, it's it's all sorts of emotions. This chat is funny. It's full of joy. Uh, like when we set up to record this, Annie had to push back the recording time by 15 minutes because she was finding out that the show's been nominated for awards. So, you know, there, there's a lot going on here. There's a full spectrum of emotions and you will be wrapped when you're finished and it'll give you uh, a lot to ruminate on after you've uh, left the conversation behind. Uh, a few quick notes before we bring in Annie. There will be a Patreon-only episode of the podcast, the Dispatches from the Fury Road uh, edition that will be dropping on Thursday. If you'd like to sign up to Patreon to be able to access special podcasts, scripts, discounted tickets to live events and ad-free episodes oh, and more you know there's heaps going on over there please head to patreon.com forward slash justin hamilton underscore big squid uh your money goes towards the production of this podcast and helps me maintain the high goals i set myself for each episode so uh everything from the research that goes into episodes like the space policy episodes or uh you know the uh past the ammo stuff and also the short stories you know uh, as i s- think i said in the last podcast that uh latest one living in the shadow of your song uh, like that took nearly a year to produce you know a lot goes into it so uh, just so you know Anything that you put into the podcast uh, financially comes right back at you in the uh, quality of production. Uh, Melbourne friends, I'm back in your city soon. That's so nice to be able to say this. And I'll be appearing at Comedy Republic with my first solo show in three years. It's called Little Victories. It will be on the 26th of November. My listeners can score a discounted ticket by using the promo code PODCAST. So if you're coming along and you're trying to avoid all the state election malarkey, I'm there. It's me. You can come along. I'll take your mind off it for at least an hour. Uh, The show in Sydney was great. And look, between us, I had to jettison about 20 minutes of material to bring it in under the hour. I asked my techie, can you give me a light at 45 to let me know where I'm at? And uh, to be honest, going in, I was like, God, I hope I get to the 45-minute mark and, uh, you know, can then go into my finale and uh, don't have to pad. And then I got to that point and... (laughs) I honestly had to throw out about 20, 25 minutes of material. And uh, anyway, turns out I have some jokes for you. Anyway, I'd love to see you and look forward to returning to Melbourne again. It's so weird because, you know, uh, my first gigs in Melbourne were in 1994. My first shows in Melbourne were at the 1995 Melbourne Comedy Festival. I lived in Melbourne for 13 years. It's so weird to think that I've lived in Sydney for seven years now and have barely been back to Melbourne in that time, you know, especially in the last three years. So, heck, I don't even know if you remember me. <laughs> I could turn up and be like, yep, all right, well, I'll just talk the techie through it. But anyway, um, hopefully you do remember me and uh, want to come along to this show. I'll let you know what is coming up next week at the end of the podcast, but now it is time to bring in my delightful pal, Annie. 
Well, we were meant to be talking a little bit earlier, but someone was too busy getting phone calls first thing on a, what, Sunday morning about an actor (laughs) nomination. So congratulations are due. And also, what is the nomination? Thank you. (laughs) Um, It's uh, in the digital category. So, um, uh, yes, it's it's a new category this year. Um, Kind of means that we're also strangely like up against a lot of um, content creators, as in like, you know, um, TikTokers and YouTubers and stuff. So um, it's an interesting category, but freaking honoured to um, to be a part of it yeah. and also um, to see uh, so many of my good mates in the same category. It's been it's really lovely. It's been a very nice nice thing to wake up yeah. to. So, yeah. I always think uh, I, I don't like awards in general. I think awards in general kind of can bum out uh, the artistic side of things and uh, between between awards and box office, you know, I feel like we often concentrate on the worst parts of what someone is creating. But having said that, to be nominated is fantastic. And if you win, you're breaking new ground because this has never been a category before. So you could be right no. ahead of the curve. Do, if you're up against TikTok people and YouTube, etc., I love how I say TikTok people, like they are completely different people. Yeah. But we're down with the lingo, Absolutely. Right? <laughs> does this uh, does your show kind of look uh, like is is your show considered traditional in comparison? That I, I almost feel a bit concerned about that. Right. Like, um, uh, it's just you know, it's just such a a different format, and it's so like there are so many forms of storytelling and formats for it that now exist. It's just tricky because what we've tried to do is, um, is I guess, look at a more traditional form of storytelling, but condensed it. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a short form series. So um, ultimately it does fall into that same category um, because they're what 10, 12 minute episodes. But what we've tried to do is, uh, as much as humanly possible, condense it so that it feels like you're still watching a half-hour series, you know. Um, it should feel that rich and juicy and complex. Um, and, you know, that was why it was so important to me to ensure that every character had kind of their own little arc of sorts. Um, once again, you've got a very tight framework to work with, but... Um, yeah, uh, I guess we're the trad, we're the trad right. jazz. <laughs> we bring the trad jazz to the category. Um, and there ain't nothing wrong with no. that, you know? Um, but it, we're doing we're doing something new and different at the same time, yeah. um, I, I feel. Um, so, yeah, but it's it's really nice to, to be a part of that gang. And there are, like, there's definitely a couple of other shows that are in the same category, um, that are doing a similar thing, like using that short form framework to to tell richer and more complex stories in a very short frame, like a short uh, period of time, yeah. um, and doing it really beautifully. So, um, yeah, 
the, the competition is fierce. Right, that's great. No, well, the nomination is, uh, you know, that's the win. Like, because uh, it, it is the acknowledgements and now it just comes it's down just, to taste. Totally. And it's just, like, it is such an honour to to know how much, because no one knows how much time and work and heart you put into something um, or how long that journey has been. You see the finished product and I know that that's been the journey for everyone that's in the category. Um, but just to be honoured by your peers and in the Australian industry, like it's, um, it really does mean something just to be nominated. Like that is, that's the win, yeah. really. But, and yeah. people don't realise, well, I, th- I, I think they can realise intellectually, but emotionally it's very difficult to get your head around the fact that you spend a lot of time alone with the initial thought and it's not just the working out of the idea it's all the weird shit that bubbles up at the worst moments like when you for whatever reason a little bit of doubt just creeps in and doubt can come from many strange places like doubt can come from someone giving you uh, a bit of criticism on the work that doesn't really vibe with what you're going for but it can also sometimes come from someone saying this is great and then you think oh is this great well I better follow through with this and then the doubt can kick in that way totally oh the ego mind is um is a fascinating thing it just is just shitting on your parade the whole time like any day of the week um and I am a bit of a master of that like I don't need anyone to give me uh any criticism because I'm I'm the fucking expert of that myself um any given moment and uh and like (laughs) the doubting thing I mean it's just it's just constant. Like she's she's a mad bitch in my head, um, but I'm learning to <laughs> to live with her. Um, but yeah, like of course. Then on top of that, you then got people giving their opinion, um, and and that's fine. Like I'm actually finding it fascinating how you do how how you hear that how you respond to it in any given moment and it really does depend on what's going down for you in in that particular moment and it might be the way that someone says that they like it you're like oh that hurts like it doesn't (laughs) you know you just we're just we're goddamn meaning machines you know that's all our brains are doing is like creating meaning out of sounds noises yeah the, the way that someone delivers um, their words, you know, like we have no fucking idea what anyone's thinking. No. So kind of it is strangely it's been relieving or cathartic to realise um, after so much work, actually it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't really matter what anybody thinks. If it feels right in your heart, yeah. Um, yeah. then I think you're onto something pretty good as long as you're not, hurting anybody in the process you're probably in the right field if it feels right and you've got good intentions just trust that critics will say whatever they say but um you know for me it's already been worthwhile just because um it's felt it's felt like a a very rewarding process um and very humbling to work with so many extraordinary artists but also to just hear from strangers that like message you out of the blue and say, um, 
you don't know me, I saw your show, this is what it did for me and this is, you know, this is my experience. That in itself has just made me go, ah, it was totally worthwhile. Just even if it was one person that felt that way, it's already been like it's already paid off. So anything else is a bonus. Yeah, to take something (laughs) personal and make it broad enough that other people can find their ways into relating to something takes a lot of skill and uh, takes a lot of – it's – you know, you do have to have a certain amount of courage about yourself to go forward with that. I'm curious, the how do you overcome those moments of doubt and uh, and can you sometimes recognise the different versions of them? And the reason I ask is uh, I'm well behind at this point in the year with something that I'm working on and the reason I'm behind it is uh, I had some doubt kick in which came from fatigue, like, I, like physical yeah. and creative fatigue hit me all at once on uh, uh, a few days ago anyway. And so I've had yeah. to actually slow down and even though the uh, timeline is, you know, becoming shorter and shorter, uh, I knew it was more important than long-term to kind of check out for a couple of days. Yeah, it's so important. Um, I think, I don't know, I I, I feel constantly uh, it's so easy to put yourself in comparison um, especially as creatives when we're just, you're putting your heart on your sleeve all the time. Mm-hmm. Like you just, I'm putting yourself and say, saying, here's my gizzards. What do you think? <laughs> like, take a gander, yeah. have a look. Um, and, and that's also the place that our creativity is coming from. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's internal. So it's, it's very personal and it is exhausting. And if you are burning out, which I am, really good at (laughs) um I'm learning more and I say this because I know that we've both acknowledged the burnout thing this week um the longer I put off acknowledging the burnout or doing something about it as in actually stopping and giving yourself a break the more that then bleeds into the following week following month the following six months like it, it it's dangerous and it will it will find a way to let you know that you have to stop. And I think the longer you leave it, the more our body like physically will, sh- will stop us in our tracks and say, you are not hearing me. Like you are not listening. If you want to be, if you want to be delivering all of this output, I need to be refueled. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <stop. Yeah. laughs> um, and so, uh, that's one thing. Uh, and I've just, I've literally just overnight decided that I'm going to take a week off. I've never done this in my life, but actually take a week off where no one can contact yeah. me. I'm yeah. going, I'm going to an Island. <laughs> I've never actually treated myself to a holiday in my life, but I, I just realized that I need to have zero input, yeah. like zero, um, zero information flooding in because I'm not, I'm not functioning right now. I've got really exciting projects ahead of me and I can't, I can't deliver on anything. I'm being really honest. Like I'm not one of those super high functioning people that can just like 
go and go and go and just push through without there being consequences. And I'm sick of the consequences. So I'm think I'm starting to learn how to, how to manage it. Um, But I think the self doubt thing, you know, talking about, I think that, I think it's a good thing to acknowledge if you are working on a creative project, um, a, that, like if you've got doubt coming in, that is a sign of maybe fatigue or burnout early stages. Like it's letting, it's your brain letting you know that you're not thinking clearly, like you're, you need refueling um, or you need some restorative time. Um, but also the closer you get to a deadline, the more those fuckers, those voices are going to come in and tell you you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Like how dare you, how dare you think you have a right to tell a story. Um, they'll just, those voices will come in, I think, thicker and faster the closer you get to a deadline. Yeah. So I think it's that mental game. Um, but in terms of overcoming it, honestly, the one thing oh, I say this really, <laughs> I shouldn't hesitate to say it. The one thing that is keeping me going at the moment when I am just going, your ideas suck and who, you know, who are you to share this story? Just like treat yourself to an evening of whatever is on your streaming service. Like, I'm sorry, this is the the most amazing time in history in terms of like the output. There is just pure saturation of stories everywhere. Every Every streaming service is hungry for more content but as a result there's also um a percentage of that that's really not i i don't think it's well thought through i don't think it's well considered um you know just kind of your average stuff watch something that you know you feel is suspiciously average or makes you cringe a bit just watch one episode of something and go like get to the end of that and go, these people made it and you know, like good on them. So what the fuck are you doing? Just get on with it. It's not, you know, it's not going to be that bad. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good way of looking at it. Uh, I know that's terrible, but like bad art can really help inspire good art. I think. Well, it's, it's funny because I think I may have told you on the phone that I saw, I got um, an opportunity to see Black Adam and it was honestly like, I'm, I'm, I've never been angrier at people giving it an okay review. And it's like, I, I just thought it was an awful experience and i and i never buy into that ah it's for kids because i think yeah that's who i'm thinking of like kids deserve something better as well you know but it was uh i i quite like a loud movie i like feeling it at the cinema but i i came out of it like i'd had a concussion like i'd just been pounded for uh, two hours with you know kind of no uh, up and down or blending of the noises or, you know, having bits of silence, nothing like that. And it was right at that point where I was feeling burnt out. And so the way I kind of got out of it was I watched 45 minutes of a movie that I really like 
and yeah. that, and didn't feel the need to watch all of it. Just watched forty five minutes of it, yeah. and then I watched a uh, Juliette Binoche film called Let, Ooh, Let the Sunshine In. Beautiful. So good, right? Beautiful. Uh, a a grown up story about a grown-up person who is yeah. functioning in their job and a little bit bad at relationships and it was yeah. great. <laughs> completely relatable. <Yeah. laughs> completely relatable. And uh, I uh, you kind of used that to kind of even out the, the what had been going in. And then on Saturday, I just watched some basketball. I put the phone away. I just watched some basketball. Brilliant. Then... Uh, did some shopping and then I did uh, just uh, really boring admin work because at least that kind of gets things moving. And then this morning tackled that uh, one of the things that I started to have doubt over and what I wrote this morning isn't perfect, but I've got back into it. Oh, yeah, there's a there's a real uh, key <laughs> red flag, red flag word. Um, perfect. Yes. Um, so I have it literally plastered over my walls. I will find any quote I can yeah. during a creative process. If I'm writing a show, um, anything that I have, Brene Brown is, she's the fucking queen of it. Yeah. Like she has wonderful quotes. Just Google them. Whichever one hits you in the heart the most, like stick it on a fucking, I don't know, like uh what like a poster size yeah. out on your wall. What was her name again? Um, Sorry. Renee Brown. Renee Brown. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um you know, perfectionism is is the thief of creativity. Yes. It stops us in our tracks. And I realize now like nothing I do is ever going to be what is necessarily in my head and it, what it does is just stop me in my tracks. It's like mud setting around your ankles. Like it will, and it does it really effectively. It will beat me up to the point that I just go, I can't, I can't keep working on this project because it, it's just not good enough. And this whole good, not good enough thing is like, for me, if I hear that conversation in my head, I know that I'm in that territory, the perfectionist territory, like whatever whatever is your phrase that you have programmed in your head since you were probably a kid, yeah. like know what that know what that sentence looks like and just fucking give it the finger. Yeah. Like just get the bird and carry on because it is all it wants to do. All it wants to do is protect you and stop, but it wants to stop you in your yeah. tracks. So, yeah, the perfectionism thing is like it's it's a killer. Um, and you know, like you've just uh, like you've totally nailed the how to deal with doubt and fatigue. Like you've done the perfect combination of things. You've stopped what you were doing. You've gone and seen something terrible yes. and then you've watched something wonderful yeah. and then you've gone completely away from anything that's in your purview of your creative realm and you've watched some fucking great basketball. Right. Like, or, you, know, you know, like no matter how that basketball game goes, it's you are sending your energy elsewhere and letting your brain have a break from what you strive for and what you pour your heart into and you pour your energy into. I think that's so key. Cause, and I was going to say, like, I think the other part of um, 
I can feel the my Lutheran guilt already <laughs> pressing down on me like a cloud saying, you know, talking about other people's bad art. No one sets out to make bad no. art. And I think that's really important to acknowledge is like everyone's just fucking trying, man. Yeah. Like everyone is just trying to, to do their thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes it doesn't work or it doesn't resonate for you. And I think it's just going like, you know, identifying if something does not resonate for yeah. you and you want to call it bad art or a piece of shit. You don't have to tell other people that, but if that makes you um, like kind of frustrated, like, oh man, they got money to do yeah. this. They got like, or, oh man, they got, they got money to create this show with an amazing group of humans and they're telling a story that's not changing anything or like they're telling the same old fucking, you know, like whatever it is that makes you feel a bit shit about things get angry about it instead i was i'm terrified of conflict and anger so I, i'm just learning this now but like let yourself get really angry about it for a night and be like fuck like there's all this money out there and you're making shit like this like use yeah. it just use it pour that anger in and then watch i was gonna say like watch something or listen to something that blows your mind yeah. like listen yeah. to a listen to any david bowie yeah. album listen what I don't know, listen to a poet reading their work, listen or watch a film that just continually blows your mind. Like you don't, and like you said, you don't have to watch the whole thing, but give yourself the permission to see art at its most exceptional and go, well, I'm probably not that. Right. So, but I'm not the other option either. Yeah. So just get on with but, it. Like it, you can, it's kind you of can still out. aim for the big thing though do you know what I mean like that's what you uh you know let the other thing be in the back and and yeah you know aim Before aim you high Damn straight. you know I'm a big um, believer in in if you can get turn anger into spite I think spite is fuel do you know what I mean like spite is something yeah. that you can go yeah well fuck you I am gonna do this and yeah that's yeah. you know like spite is not a good feeling to have but you can I think it's the easiest of the uh anger group to use it, it's a lot healthier than bitterness right which is what will happen if you don't do the thing that you feel called to do yeah. oh yeah at some point that bitterness is going to overwhelm your body and your mind so just you know if you want to avoid bitterness in the world just keep doing what you're doing um, I think that's key, but yeah, like absolutely use it as, just use it as fuel yeah. um, and take your pressure, like take the pressure off yourself. Like let yourself say it's not going to be perfect, but who fucking cares? Like I'm making a thing. Yeah. Cause if you don't, if you don't make it, that's not a good option. Yeah. Like, and, and nothing's yeah. perfect. Like, you know, The Godfather is a perfect film, but when you watch it, there's a point where Sonny takes a swing at his brother-in-law and he misses by 75 metres. Like, he's so far away. And, you, and, and the sound effect comes in and the actor reacts as if he's been punched. But you know what? Who gives a shit? Yeah, who cares? Because, yeah, and those things, oh, my God, you end up sweating so much over stuff like the sound mm. oh my god the sound in my show I was 
I was losing my mind about the details of that and the things that I felt were like not landing or weren't quite the sound I was looking for and just going like, it's got to be, it's got to be perfect. And then going, you know what, maybe it won't be and that's going to be fine. And like, Hardly anyone notices that shit anyway. I like, noticed it. I noticed the birds. You did. You yeah. did. You noticed. Yeah. Um, and I really, don't get me wrong, I really appreciate <laughs> that. Like, I think you're one of only two people that's mentioned the specificity right. of um, of those, like, audio elements. Um, and I love that so oh, much. Oh, man, it gave me a very uh, a vivid picture of growing up in West Croydon, uh, on Bedford Street, where opposite was the Croydon High School, and there was mm-hmm. uh, two uh, concrete cricket pitches in nets right next to the fence. And I would hear yeah. those birds on a Saturday or Sunday oh, morning, and oh. I would hear the crack of a bat hitting a ball cricket. or oh. the ball hitting the chain fence. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that just gave me shivers. Yeah. Like. The specificity of that, even like, yeah, that those things are so nostalgic. Like that's so, oh, that's delicious. I love that. Yeah. But yeah, you know, there's, now I'm trying to think what the name of the, ah, uh, the film that Tilda Swinton did in the last, like it's only come out in the last 12 months. I went to see it in the cinema. It is an intense ride uh, like it's a very specific style of storytelling but the whole thing is that she's obsessed with this one sound and she's trying oh, to get memoria that- yes yeah. oh have you no, seen it no i haven't but someone was telling me about it uh literally yesterday yeah. really well it's 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 certainly um a worthwhile watch i mean one because it's tilda, tilda yeah. so all, all hail tilda um, but I went to this film not knowing anything about it except that I loved the still shots and Tilda Swinton was yeah. there. <laughs> I've got to see this film. And, you know, I don't know how many minutes into the film she's sitting in this room just trying to explain the specificity of this one noise that is just, uh, like, terrorising her. Like, it just won't leave her alone. And I was like, oh, look, there's me. That's me. That's the last like six months of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Just going insane. Um, but I love that someone's gone, actually, we can make a film about yeah. that. <laughs> like it's very, it's a very niche thing, but also an amazing oh, film. Well, yeah. that's that's what this podcast is slowly becoming, is becoming more and more niche because <laughs> I, I, my interests in mainstream are waning to such a drastic uh sort of uh peak where i just i just don't find mainstream stuff to be at the moment challenging in any way like not not even really taking big swings but also like why fucking talk about it when there's like so many other people doing other people it. are talking about it you know let them do it yeah they're fine yeah, that's the that's the other freeing thing. Let everyone like let the majority take care of that yeah. shit. Like, let the majority tell really safe stories because yeah. they're always going to do it. Because that's you know it's it's safe. Yeah. Um, 
Don't worry about it. Just let them let this, there's so many other people doing it. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> I wanna I would much rather this podcast be talking about Tilda Swinton and uh, I just rewatched Michael Clayton and I had not watched it in quite a few years. And at the at the no. end of it I was like, Hey, why don't I watch this every year? Like it is fantastic. But Tilda Swinton uh, like the first time you see her in that film, she's having a panic attack in the cubicle, yeah. and it's it yeah. is it sounds really weird, but it's mesmerising. Yeah, I mean, there's there's the ultimate word to sum up. I mean, there's many words that sum up to yeah. her, but like, I mean, she is truly mesmerising in everything she does. Yeah. I don't know, you know, and that's what I mean. Like, look at a great artist and go, like, I know, I have no chance of ever being anything like her but I'm also not trying to be but she is so inspiring like just to and to see her body of work and oh god what a life she's had you know what just it's just endlessly fascinating to be able to to be in a position as an artist to choose the kind of stories that she's been able to tell like there's someone that's not at all interested in like well, how popular is this going to be? Yeah. How much, you know, like how much money is attached to it? Because you know, like she's clearly that is not, that is yeah. not her do, realm. Do a couple of big budget things here and there, get your money up, and then go and make interesting art. Something delicious, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just keep it delicious. So, uh, uh, something that I wanted to talk to you about. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast your own series which uh you know the last time we talked it was uh you know we were it had just come out so i wanted people to see it so i didn't want to give too much away but uh uh, now that it's been out for a while and uh i've been getting a lot of great feedback from people who have watched it who have really enjoyed it and loved it and uh, people who didn't know your work before either so that's uh, a really nice way to introduce you to uh to them but um it, it's interesting, uh, and I'm curious to know where this was a fictionalized version of an experience that you had. And yeah, uh, once again, this is where I was talking about before. You know, there's the words courage and bravery are, are thrown around too much about all kinds of art, but but there was a, a, a level of integrity that was invested in your show that came from real life. And were there times where you were thinking this is too much? Like were there moments in the series that you thought, I don't know if I'm kind of ready to put that out there even though it's through this fictionalised uh, storyline? Yeah, 
Mm. No, honestly, I think maybe there were a few times when it came to the actual filming, when we were in production and the camera was on me and I realised how far I'd gone into lived events. Right. Um, I, I think, you know, a prime example of that, it was actually on the last last day of the shoot, I think. It was either the second to last or the last day of the film shoot. I had to do the scene, I had to do the bathtub stuff where I was underwater, yeah. not thing, which is <laughs> really hard. It looks really hard. Um, As someone who doesn't like his head underwater, that looks terrifying yeah. to me. Yeah, and um, amazing where your brain goes when you're having to do it over and over again. And I would be under for, you know, like quite a period of time and I'd been training myself for that. But when it came to filming, I my brain went to some pretty dark places because it had been there before and it was like it was triggering um memories of kind of where I'd been in the past. So there, that was confronting. And then that was followed by having to do the scene with the beautiful Caitlin McDougall, who um, plays my mother, yeah. where I'm picking, I'm trying to pick her up off the floor. And I think that was the hardest yeah, it's certainly like top three, but like I think that was actually the hardest scene to do um, because it was just so taxing and so um, so visceral. And to hear her, like I really asked Caitlin to to go there. I said, I just like just it's you know people say this shit all the time but like forget that there's a camera here there was hardly anyone in the room we only had room in the bathroom for the um the camera operator um in the, yeah, the the cinematographer and um even the director was out of the room watching on a screen um and the sound guy the poor sound guy is like tucked in the shower like <laughs> trying to get close to us um, and and if people don't know about the poor sound guy. No, the poor sound guy, and he's so beautiful. He's, oh, God, he was wonderful. But, yes, like very hard work um, to try and get a microphone as close to the action as possible without coming into frame because then you have ruined the yeah. shot. Um, but when you're doing such kind of intense, intimate work, really tricky situation. Um, and I think we did maybe three takes at the most, which all went for quite a long period of time. She just let us go. Uh, Renee uh, Mal, who directed, she just let us go for it um, until we exhausted ourselves. Like we couldn't go any further. And, and, I, and Caitlin broke, she broke my heart, like hearing, holding her and, and hearing the sounds that were coming out of her was just, it was so familiar and it was, um, yeah. So like those moments I was like, no, oh, I'm taking things too far. Yeah. <laughs> but also at the same time, I'd been fighting for months of more of that. Yeah. Like I wanted from the beginning when I was talking to the producers, um, I said, I want this to be unapologetically honest 
and unedited in that sense that we get a real idea, a really truthful, honest idea of what it's like to be a palliative carer or a carer for a loved one at home um, where you are just constantly faced with a new challenge and there's no timeline or schedule and quite often you're completely on your own. And when you are trying to, for example, uh, care for a full grown adult and they slip on the floor, there is, there's a phrase dead weight, yeah. dead weight. is a, It's, it's a real thing. Like you trying to get another human being off of the ground when they have lost their ability, they've lost their strengths in themselves is, um, a situation I would never wish upon anyone. It's disturbing and frightening and you feel hopeless because you're the strong one and you're the healthy one and they are screaming in pain and you can't, you can't give them relief. You can't get them off the ground. You, you know, those, those moments, I wanted that to be seen because I think we have a really, lovely Vaseline finish on all of this stuff in a lot of uh, visual storytelling where people are in a bed and there's no blood or other bodily fluids hanging around. You know, it's it, the body will surprise you in those moments. It's It really it changes your life. So I, I wanted that to be as honest as possible and I'd been fighting all the way through to keep those scenes in. And there were questions around some of them, um, not necessarily from producers, but you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of voices uh, and parties that are having a say in how your story is going to look and feel as you develop it, according to whether you're attached to a broadcaster or other investors, like everybody gets to have a say and, you need to be very clear on what you're prepared to fight for. And for me, it was always about maintaining the balance of the, the grotesque, the, the terrifying uh, and the heartbreaking with all of the humour. Yeah. I wanted that to really like throw people. I wanted the sensation of, you know, if, Remember, honey, honey, I shrunk the kids. If you got like thrown in a jar and someone just like just rattled you around yeah. for a bit, I want that. I want that sensation. Right. That's what I was seeking. Um, <laughs> it's pretty violent. But yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. but I, I totally get it. The uh, when I've worked with comedians who are maybe doing shows that go into darker places, the thing that I've oh. always uh, preach to them is we need to make this story bulletproof for the middle Wednesday of the Melbourne Comedy Festival where the energy of the start is over and the energy of the ending coming up is too far into the distance and everyone's tired and it'll probably be your smallest audience and if you can make the work bulletproof for that night then you're going to be fine for the rest of the festival. Wow, what an amazing piece of advice. That, that's, that's so cool. Yeah, and I know I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Not that I've ever done the no, comedy it, festival. I have witnessed many. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, yeah. That, that slog, you know, halfway through, Jesus, like watching people do 
Melbourne Comedy Festival or Edinburgh and like hanging around you guys and getting halfway through that season and just going like, this is, this is the killer. Yeah, this is <laughs> You're right. It's the Wednesday night, the Wednesday night audience halfway through a season. How do you, yeah. How do you keep that? Yeah, if you can navigate um, that, but that, that feels also uh, the reason I bring that up is that kind of feels like what you had to do with your work as well. You had to have it in a place where you were so across it and you so, and you, knew what you wanted to deliver. So then when you end up in these situations where suddenly you are kind of being triggered, uh, you can fall back on the robustness of the content that you've created. Yeah, I think um, here's another little tip, you know, like just relating back to the idea of if you are doubting yourself or your project or feeling burnt out, any in these moments, like when you're in the middle of something or you're performing something and you're feeling like, Oh God, what have I, what have I done is, you know, you make sure that you've created a mission statement and a really clear intention from the beginning of your project. What is the essence, the absolute, like the, the, the reduced, (laughs) reduced version of that entire story what is that singular drop that makes that story worthwhile telling um just have that so clear in your head and you just return to that in those moments and you go right I know what my intention is that's all I need to worry about like you just it just brings you back it just brings you back to center um, even if you're not feeling it in that moment, you can trust the intention. Yeah. I think that can really drive you through those moments. Um, and I knew very clearly what my intention was and it was, and you don't know what the outcome of that is going to be or whether that intention is going to pay off or resonate for people, but just trusting the, the intention itself because that is that core is so strong in you that it just carries you through. It's a bit like a um, a life vest in those moments. Yeah. You just flip it on and let yourself float through the waves. Yeah, yeah. What was what yeah. was the intention for this show? Do, what was are you able to share what that sentence was? Um. For me, there were there were kind of like three sentences, but I'll, I, I won't give away exactly what it was because it's very personal. Yes, that's but, a, that's why but, I pretty you yeah, know. If you... But the essence of it was, it was almost like a visual for me. It was being a being on the other side of an ocean, um, waving my hand at someone else who's going through the same thing on the other side of that ocean. Yeah thinking that they're the only one going through it and it's me like waving at them going like I see you we're part of the same ocean yeah um if that makes yeah no 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 it makes complete sense (laughs) and I I think it has uh uh, achieved that because you know the feedback I've gotten has kind of uh reflected what you just said to me as well and I, I think very much at the end with uh, the, you know, you, you come to this point where your character, uh, Harriet, is, um, you know, there's there's the moment on the bridge which I, I didn't think anything bad was going to happen, but 
What? No, I, I well, I had, I kind of had strength. In, uh, I felt that she yeah. was stronger. Do you know what I mean? But I understood there was, uh, well, this was my interpretation of it anyway, which was the, there was just this part of her that almost wanted to not exist for a moment. Do you know what I mean? And just kind of dissipate. And if, if she could have dissipated and just been caught with a breeze and just and yeah. just not existed and then at some point just gone plop, 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 ah, and I'm back. That, so mm-hmm. that to me was like, of course, there was the drama that, you know, something bad could have happened by accident as well. That was the, yeah. that was probably my biggest fear with it. But that yeah. to me is the moment where she takes her biggest breath followed by her her largest exhalation. Yeah, it's, th- you have just summed that up <clears throat> really um, eloquently. That's, that's exactly what it is. Um, it's, you know, it's that, for me, it, it kind of is a number of moments that happened in real life combined and it was a way of being able to, once again, uh, condense the essence of all of those individual moments that happened over that course of time. Um, it distilled them down into this one moment where it really is, you know, um, and I hope this is okay to talk about because I, I realise this can be triggering for people. Mm. So if you're feeling a bit wobbly, maybe don't listen to this bit. I, But, you know, it's once again very personal um, but that feeling of I just I just can't exist anymore. Mm. Like my my journey is done. Um, just a moment of that can this is the this is the slippery slope of our mental health. In the in that moment, if you can get there, like if if your experiences have led you to that point of feeling like you truly are done, like you just don't need to exist anymore. Even if it's just that kind of um, that desire to not exist for a moment, not long-term, not permanently, just the, the wish to, to stop, just to not exist for a moment can be so powerful that it can make us do something that is irreversible. Yes. And, and that's that's the danger in it. And and I do think that is so, you know, it's a really important conversation for me and it's something that I'm continuing to, uh, to explore in my new project. But, you know, um, I feel very lucky to be in a position where I can, like truly lucky and grateful that I'm in a position to be able to talk about this as someone that went there and for whatever reason didn't end up dead. Um, And to realize, like to look back on those moments and, and really like really own it and be like, or just acknowledge that, wow, that's a, that was a really strong moment, but it is a moment and it can feel so logical that desire, that that urge to just, for everything to just stop mm. can feel so, that pull can be so strong, but you can feel different in an hour. You can feel 
much less intense about it in 24 hours. Like it can, the logic can shift so quickly. Um, And I wanted, and, and, you know, that was a really, that was something that I was fighting for as well, because it is, it's tricky territory to be talking about suicidal ideation or, um, or a suicide attempt um, when we're, when we're entertaining people. Um, But I wanted to be honest about it. I wanted to say, this is, I'm, I'm, pretty sure I'm not alone in this as someone that spent a long time caring for other people. This is part of that reality is even though you know that you have this purpose and you've, and you've given so much of yourself to something that's really important or to someone that's really important, you can still lose your perspective on your own value. Um, yeah, and it's just so important to acknowledge that it is a moment, and it this too shall pass. Yeah, and yeah. it's also sorry. No, 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 no that's <laughs> that's completely fine. But it, it, the thing is, is that yeah. the moment that you kind of hit that point is strong, but. What's equally strong is the moment afterwards when you have yeah. made the correct decision and the right decision and then found your way through it. And I, I agree with you. We Look, this is my main issue with a lot of, uh, uh, you know, mainstream entertainment, which is we, we've forgotten that entertainment can be many things and it can make you... Uh, connect with different emotions. Like, like entertainment doesn't just need to be... Happy, happy, joy, joy. Entertainment is meant to be yes. lots of things. It, it, it's a safe space to oh. go and experience uh, emotions that you probably – they're difficult to confront in the real world, like whether it's depression yeah. or whether it's sadness or wh- whether it's melancholy or whether it's anger. If you can go and mm. experience them through art and you can and feel those emotions and, and – you can be entertained by feeling them and then you can kind of move on. Like I, I completely understand why yeah. the, one of the only kinds of movies that uh, in the low budget world that are working these days are scary movies, you know, horror movies, because yeah. it's, a, it, it's, it's a sensation that you can feel and just go, oh, and now I've experienced that and now um, it's 2 p.m. and it's daylight and I'm going to get a drink. Yeah. And that is the safety that we should be seeking in our entertainment industry, in our world of storytelling. That is the only safety we should be investing in, not the safety that says, well, we can't go to those dark places because, you know, it's just not going to sell enough tickets. It's not going to, it's not, you know, that's, that's the bullshit safety realm that I was referring to earlier. You want to avoid that at all costs. If you're if you're playing safe, uh, or if you feel obliged to play safe in your creative outlet, it's an alarm bell. It's your it's your red flag. You're you're moving away from your from your truth. Yeah. Um, so give yourself a little slap and you know, yeah, <laughs> get into it. Get back. To the yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the uh, and and I I also think you know and and this happens across the board in every walk of life where there's a, a term or a feeling that is very pertinent to certain types of people that gets co-opted by the broader uh, part uh, of society. So something like. Um, 
you know, like I'll talk about something that's kind of easy to talk about, which is OCD. Like there are people who really suffer from OCD and then there'll be someone who yeah. just like moves their cup to one side and they go, oh, sorry, that's my OCD. Oh, my God. I'm so OCD right now. Like I'm just, I have so many OCD traits, yeah. right? Um, and you're like, fuck you. You don't know what OCD is. No, no, no. That's, that's not OCD, you know. And uh, yeah. and also I think, uh, I think the term being tr- uh, triggered, being triggered is one of those ones where there are some people who really have – uh, proper issues with that, and then there's some people who see something mildly not up to what they want to see, and oh, you're triggering me, and it's like, well, no, you're 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 going to DefCon one with your emotional response to something that is essentially fine. It's such a slippery slope, and I've noticed this more and more. Um, I guess through social media and just the way that our world works now in terms of how we receive information and news but man for the richness of the English language it's also very very binding it's very restrictive because as soon as a smart marketing person cottons on to a particular word that has real resonance that really hits you in the gut they will co-opt that into a, a marketing spin and you hear it all the time with, um, you know, you see people uh, advertising their, their marketing businesses and like how to market yourself on social media and this kind of thing. And I hear all, I, I find this really tricky to hear about um, world building right. and storytelling, authenticity. The word authenticity has just been, destroyed yeah, it's become inauthentic become, it becomes inauthentic <laughs> exactly and, you know so it's just i just find it interesting that um and of course you know all the algorithms are playing to our um to our not enoughs in our head yeah. like the things that make us feel not enough you can guarantee that's what your algorithm is attuned to. Like it knows exactly what your weak spot is and it's going to make you feel like you need to purchase more things yeah. around that. Yeah. Um, and and the language that is used around it, it just, it fascinates me. And it's also, it's a really slippery slope when we're talking about, um, you know, anxiety, mental health, uh, depression, I'm noticing at the moment, and this is probably a reflection of the, you know, my algorithm uh, that is presented to me, um, ADHD. So, like, this seems to, I'm, I'm noticing that it seems to be relating to everything now, like all of your personal traits, there's, there's an app that will help you right. <laughs> monitor your undiagnosed ADHD or, you know, like, and, or your OCD or your PTSD, yeah. you know, like it's, we really need to be careful, um, you know, as much as it is wonderful to be, to have all of this information so accessible <laughs> to us in any given moment, do be, do be mindful of like where these, these sources are the these sources of information are coming from, and if there is money behind it, yeah. Um, yeah, it might be trying to play with your heartstrings, or you know, you know. I, I think I think we all learned about fifteen years ago. If if you're not sure about something medically, don't Google it 
because it's just going to be bad and <laughs> yeah. you should treat your mental health that way as well. Totally, yeah. Not, but it's just... If you're not sure, yeah. don't just go and get the first app. <laughs> oh, God, please don't. But, you know, like it's just... You, but you see it now in... Um, yeah, I, I kind of see this popping up in in the, the storytelling realm as well. And like you said, as soon as a word... Um, like, I don't know, courage or something becomes like the, the thing that everyone clings to. It loses its strength. Yeah. It loses, yeah. it loses its authenticity. Yeah. <laughs> like, it becomes a questionable, like, is this courageous work or are you just saying that because that's the, that's the current like on trend term to yeah. use. It's yeah. Everything gets uh, reduced. It's uh, George Orwell was correct. You know, it's the banning of words and the, co-opting of words to eventually we we don't have enough at our disposal and therefore we can't express ourselves properly uh yeah uh, that's when it's sorry oh no 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 what were you gonna say i I was gonna say and that's why it's important to listen to music because it's like listen to some of your favorite artists and the lyricism um, and I'm totally going to segue here intentionally because I need to thank you. You changed my morning. So for anyone oh. listening, Justin <laughs> sent me a link this morning um, to the new Arctic Monkeys album, yes. which actually to me sounds more like an Alex Turner, like an independent album. Yes. Um, but holy fuck, I have just come out of surgery, um, which just massacred my uterus, but it is great to know and report that as of this morning, my ovaries are back in business. That fucking album, (laughs) I tell you what, like Alex Turner and his, for me, his lyricism, he has a way of using really simple language, simple words and just making it so deliciously visual and yummy. It's so fucking... yeah. And, and wasn't it a perfect album to listen to for the first time on a Sunday morning? Yes, it was, sir. Yes, it was. I, I just... I, I wasn't uh, sure it was I, out. Just, and then I was... I, I kind of knew it was coming. And then I saw that it was out. And I was pretty late last night. And I thought, I'm a bit too tired. I'm not going to listen to it now. I'll listen to it in the morning right. when I'm pottering about yeah. doing things. And by the end of it, I think the last four tracks, I just finished everything that I, you know, breakfast and that and just laid on the lounge and just listened to the rest of the album. And I was like, oh, oh. that feels good. And and funnily enough, getting back to, you know, h- how I said to you, I returned to something that I had a bit of doubt about. And yeah. uh, even though, as I said, what I wrote, yeah, it, fe- it felt a bit clunky, but I felt good because I'd gotten back into the swing of things. It did come out of just having that clear mind from listening to music. Just listening to something different that's not your not related to your your line of uh, thinking or work in a, in a given moment, I think is just so key. But yes, also good to physically feel something in your body, like if you're feeling stuck, and you know that. I can assure you, I was feeling things in my body. I was feeling things in organs I didn't know I had this morning. I don't know what God, that's great. That guy. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for you, and I'm very happy for your massacred uterus. That. Uh... Oh, mate! I tell you, what, there must be uterus, uter, uteri. What's the plural of uteruses <laughs> um, around the world that are just like whoa, throbbing? Yeah, back in action. Of, 
however many hours and probably a few willies too i mean i don't know i reckon i reckon there's yeah it's it's a pretty uh sexy album and it's also uh i'm quite partial to a little bit of lounge music as well uh so you know back 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 in the days in Adelaide when uh, the Tapas Bar used to be down on oh. Rundle Street and they used to do Thursday nights, which was all kind of lounge music and uh, stuff like that, and it was great. Oh, my God. Yeah. Tapas. Yeah. Wow. There's a, there's a blast from the I past know. for anyone from South Australia. Yeah, they were the best of times. <laughs> um, we should uh, get going, but uh, so w- w- what's up next? Is it the, you, you, well, A, you're going on holidays. When, when's that happening? Next Great. Week. Just, To yeah. an island. I'm going to an island and I'm going to sit. Yeah. I've just got like a tiny cabin on, on the beachfront and I'm going to sit in the sun and give my body as much vitamin D as I have been lacking in the last three years of sitting indoors writing a show. I'm going to make up for all of that in a week, right, Um, and just swim and not – I mean, I'll probably listen to some music, but I don't even know if I'm going to pick up a book, honestly. I don't – I just need to stop feeling the pressure of – needing to find words to make the next thing i just need to stop for a minute um so that is what i will be doing next never underestimate the power of daydreaming and uh maybe some classical music might be nice for you as well you know i'm always up for that yeah Yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be all the all the music And, and, and and then it'll be the actors in december i guess December and also the Augies because oh, yes. we've yeah we got nominated for an Augie which is the Australian Writers Guild Awards so I feel that is a huge honour for me to be um, acknowledged within my peers in in the writing world that is like beyond I, I can't believe it yeah it's great I'm. <laughs> It's like the little, it's the little show that could, like it's, it's just a baby version of all the other extraordinary work that's being acknowledged this year. Um, but I feel really honoured to be a part of yeah. that. I'm very excited. You, so. you, you should feel honoured, you should feel excited and you should feel extremely proud of uh, Beginner's Guide to Grief. It's fantastic. And from my point of view, I'm wrapped for you as well. I'm so excited to see how everything's played out and uh, Thanks, I can't wait to see what you do next after you've had some time to relax. Yeah, I can't wait too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Can't, can't wait to see that I actually make another thing at some it, point. That'll, that'll it'll happen, but uh, we'll, we'll wait for you to get off the island. So yeah, then, yeah. then we'll start looking. So Survive the island first. Yeah. yeah. All right. Like Thank you. Thanks, Justin. So great to chat. Thank you to Annie for returning to the podcast and having such a beautiful discussion with me. Remember, if you haven't seen her show on SBS, you can still check it out. And I'd love for you to take the time to avoid all the big IP out there. Like, put Marvel aside, put Star Wars aside, put Harry Potter aside, put all of the stuff that has all of the money and 
a tiny amount of the creativity and check out this gorgeous, funny show, A Brief Guide to Grief. Um, if you'd like to do some reading, head over to my page at bigsquidpod.com and you can find a brand new Dispatches from the Fury Road blog, Spider Spider Burning Bright. And then on Thursday on the Patreon, uh, my listeners will be getting a director's cut version of that blog. Uh, so uh, lots of uh, the gags and the wordplay and uh, what inspired parts of uh, the things that I was writing about. So you can uh, find that on Thursday. Uh, Also, over at the website, you can find the new Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted story, Living in the Shadow of Your Song. So you can read it, but there's also a link on the page that will take you to the audio version that has that fantastic production by Sean Allen. So that's all there as well. All free. I think uh, the short story was maybe like an eight-minute read, and I think the blog's like a four-minute read. Perfect for you know, killing some time or, uh, you know, just tuning out from the rest of the world, to be honest. Uh, I'll be back next week with a brand new Chitter Chatter on Monday and then Ben Elwood returns for a new Space Podacy. This time we're discussing the film 1984. Let's finish today with a quote from novelist Anne Lamott. You will lose someone you can't live without and your heart will be badly broken and the bad news is that you never completely get over the loss of your beloved but this is also the good news they live forever in your broken heart that doesn't seal back up and you come through it's like having a broken leg that never heals perfectly that still hurts when the weather gets cold you learn to dance with the limp until then A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.